Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kamenowski with you here, learning to the tractate Yoma, page Nun, or 50. A difficult page, uh, hard material, but raises an interesting conceptual question regarding the sacrifices. Uh, before us today and again tomorrow is going to be the question of who owns the sacrifice that the Kohen Gadol gives the bull that the Kohen uh, offers uh, from his own private funds. He has to personally pay for it, which makes it sound like what's called a korban yachid, singular person's offering. But he offers it on behalf of the class of Kohanim, of all the priests, which makes it sound like a korban sibor offered by the whole community. It's like light. Is it a particle? Is it a wave? Well, it depends on how you look at it, each of those aspects is true in a given sense. We are led to this discussion by the question of what happens if the Kohen Gadol kills the sacrifice, collects the blood uh, in the basin, and then dies. Presumably a, a purely theoretical question, not something that happened every day. Could the next Kohen go ahead and offer that sacrifice or not? Uh, and that was uh, something we took up on, the, on yesterday's page. Uh, I, I didn't go through yesterday the fact that we have a significant debate among the Amoraim, among the uh, the post-Mishnaic Talmudic authorities, about whether or not the second Kohen can enter with the blood from the first Kohen's, uh, first Kohen's uh, bull. That question is certainly not resolved yesterday. It's not really going to be resolved on today's page either, but the different, the different views are explored, and we hear a proposal that it's uh, perfectly obvious that the Kohen Gadol, that the new Kohen Gadol should not be able to use the one slaughtered by the previous Kohen Gadol. How come? Well, because there are certain sacrifices, a chatat sacrifice, that if the owner dies, uh, what is supposed to happen is that the animal itself is supposed to be uh, just allowed to die. Actually, it's grimmer, grimmer than allowed to die. It's supposed to be starved to death because uh, it can't it can't uh, be offered but it can't use, be used for any other purpose either so it is just sequestered until it dies that's called a chatat shemetu ba'aleha the chatat shemetu ba'aleha limita azla uh, a chatat sacrifice a purification offering whose whose owners died is a, whose owners have died is just itself goes to die and if that's the case that is a decisive piece of evidence because that means that the, the blood of this first animal, which has been slaughtered, cannot be now used by some other Kohen Gadol, who presumably would have to bring his own bull from his own private funds. However, we have a statement by an Amora, Rabin Bar Rav Ada, who says to Rava, Amre Talmidecha Amar Rav Amram, your own students have said in the name of Rav Amram, Chatat Sibur Hi, Velo Azla, that the Kohen Gadol's bull 
is a public and not a private sacrifice, and therefore can be used and is not is not to be uh, left to die. The Talmud attempts to prove that there is a uh, an even earlier version of a dispute about whether or not the bull of the Yom Kippur, of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, is a private or public sacrifice uh, by referring to Rabbi Meir or Rabbi, uh, and Rabbi Yaakov, who each raised this phrase, Korban Sibur or Korban Yachid, in the course of another argument. Now, why does it matter? Korban Sibur, as you may remember from the way beginning of our tractate on page 6 of Yoma, and as will come up again, uh, in a Korban Sibur, in a publicly owned sacrifice, a publicly owned, but not a privately owned sacrifice, can suspend the laws of Shabbat and the laws of uh, Tum'ah, ritual impurity. So if a Kohen Gadol becomes ritually impure uh, and there's nobody else to offer the, offer the sacrifice, the need, the public need for the sacrifice overrides his own imp- personal impurity. It's Yom Kippur, the public need for the sacrifice overrides the rules of Shabbat. So if it's a Kohen, if it's a Korban Sibur, we would assume that that would explain why Yom Kippur is so powerful and, and suspends the laws of, of Shabbat and, and the laws of Tumah. Nice theory. However, the Talmud will come and rebut that whole approach to the question and hold that the, the aforementioned or the, the previously quoted Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yaakov bring in their views, not, not, not to say that, but to undermine the thought that it's the public or private ownership of a sacrifice that determines its priority of, uh, over Shabbat and Tumah. It's the question of whether or not it has a zman kavua, a fixed time, something with a fixed time that happens at the right moment or is the moment is missed. Those things are the ones that displace or, or, or supersede Shabbat and Tumah. So we have set aside the question we, we have at least failed to answer the question of whether or not uh, the, the bull of the Kohen on Yom Kippur is a public or a private sacrifice. But we're not done with the question yet. We've just unsuccessfully answered it. We're going to take, a, take up another attempt. This time the Amora Abaye comes in and cites another Brayta and another Mishnaic era teaching in which Rabbi Yehuda holds that it, is a, that it is a private offering, whereas Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Shimon hold that it is a public offering, and they say it's very, they say these words very clearly, a public offering, Korban Sibor. But his interlocutor, uh, there's actually no name here on our page, although, I, for the, no name for the interlocutor, although the commentator literature holds that it's Rava, who's usually paired with Abaye, and who was quoted above, uh, says, no, no, the word Sibor, is used imprecisely here. It means multiple owners as opposed to a pure yachid, but it really means the shutafim, not not that it is owned by the collective of Israel, but that the multiple priests participate in it together. That's not uh, quite the end of the matter, however, because on the B side of the page, a question is posed to the view of the people who who, uh, regarded more as a korban yachid, a private sacrifice, we also have to wonder, uh, there is a somewhat communal dimension of the sacrifice in all events because the other, the brother priest, the other Kohanim, receives some level of atonement. And we ask the question, which is not going to be answered until tomorrow's page, whether or not they, uh, they receive atonement bikiviuta 
be in a fixed manner because they own part of the sacrifice itself. Odilma bekufia mit capre, or perhaps they are atoned for only indirectly. The uh, word kufia is not a not a well-known word. It either means uh, in a roundabout way or in a derivative way. That that question is is not going to be answered entirely uh, until tomorrow. But that's actually an interesting question to think about with respect to Yom Kippur in general. Is it what goes into the activity, the ownership, the financial stake of who purchased the animal, or what comes out of it, the, the effect of the kapara? All right, thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros, from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.